0: BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther.
1: Hello and welcome to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, which you can download for free on the BBC Essex website. That's bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. I'm Ken Crowther and joining me this week is Mick Lavelle from Riddle University College near Chelmsford. Coming up, myself and Mick will be answering your gardening questions on everything from hot lips... And trees that go from red to green. But first, here's just a few things you could be doing in the garden over the next seven days.
0: The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Every Saturday from 11.
1: Mick, welcome to the programme. And what's going to be your first tip this week?
2: this is the time of year when you often plant your um, your winter bedding, or That's spring right.
1: bedding as it really is, but,
2: but things which might flower through the winter. And one of the real crescendos of this at the end of the year is when the tulips flower up through amongst things like the forget-me-nots or polyanthus, or whatever else. Do
1: look good as well. Indeed.
2: And of course you can't plant the tulips until you've planted the bedding. So <laughs> it's a great time of the year to plant tulips and winter bedding, and indeed uh, any other of the, uh, the later planted bulbs that you might put in, but tulips are the classic one for that. So get that winter bedding now. If you haven't raised it yourself, you'll have to go and spend a fortune, but it'll be worth it for all that lovely flower in the spring.
1: I always, I always think tulips actually are underestimated. We've seen them in parks a lot, but people don't use them enough because the impact, A, they flower up for a long period. You can get them flowering mm. early ones then you can get the late Darwins. Can't Indeed, be? yeah. Um, I think it's a shame that people don't use them through bedding more. I think one of the things as well, people see these things in
2: the parks department and they see these bedding plants and the tulips think that would cost me an absolute fortune to do in my garden because the thing, if only we could invent this thing called a pot... That you could put them into you can have the same effect uh, a few um, bedding plants you literally get a, a small punnet of um, bedding plants something like the um, forget-me-nots and some nice white tulips coming up over those you're not looking at a huge amount of money but that pot placed yeah. strategically in the garden will look fantastic
1: Absolutely fantastic and as we go towards winter as we are autumn mm. we're talking about planting we've got to think about plants that we're going to leave in the garden that are are slightly tender and really mulching is one of the ways now, okay, you can say you might leave your dahlia in there, mightn't Mm. you? You might not you might even leave your cannas in there Mm. you're taking a chance with those but those and other plants that have a delicate situation in the garden if we get heavy frost are worth mulching but you do need to put a really thick layer of mulch on and we're talking bark or straw or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, it
2: needs to be I mean, don't use compost because it'll be no, just like too... cold
1: and wet. You need something which has got plenty
2: of air inside there to look at. almost like putting a nice little quilt over them. For it winter. is really, yeah. isn't
1: it? But it's well worth it and even put it around the bottom, something I always remember doing and that was um, a mimosa. Mm. Now I remember mimosa in a very hard winter, way, way back this was, a really hard, tough Mm. winter. And what we did was, we put a huge mulch round it. The winter killed all the top off and I thought, well that's the end of that. Mm. And you know, it sprouted from the base of of the tree because we protected the roots enough to get it through the winter
2: Indeed, a lot of these things like mimosa come from fire prone areas so they yeah. are
1: very good at shooting from
2: the base and, and the trick is, as, as you know Ken but from the point of view of the, uh, the, the listeners it's the roots which you need to protect most of all of yeah. all these things it's Not, not the tops, don't yeah. worry about the tops so They'll, much if, if you look after the roots, the tops will often come back, yeah.
1: There they are, bit of protection and don't forget those containers, put them snugly against the wall somewhere mm. if you haven't got a greenhouse or, a, or or a conservatory to put them into, just snug them up against the wall and keep them somewhere that Indeed, they could be yeah. protected. When
2: well, we're on the subject of mulches, go. Uh, I started off as a woodland gardener, literally up in the Lake District, uh, working at a big rhododendron garden. And one of the big jobs this time of the year was at a big leaf sweeper on the back of the tractor. we go around and collect all the leaves we could from the trees and put them into these enormous great pits, leaf mould pits, because there is no finer addition to the soil than leaf mould. The trick is you make a little cage, so it's like four stakes with some chicken wire around yep. it. And then uh, you need it to be at least a metre wide, a metre depth. And then you fill that up absolutely to the top, so it's literally like you know, billowing over at the top with leaves. And then just leave it. You don't need to do it, no turning or anything like that. And you leave that for at least a year. A year is what we have, one year and two year leaf mould. Two year leaf mould is better than one year leaf mould. And it's actually quite sterile it gets broken down by little organisms in there and it's a fantastic addition if you can get oak and beech leaves they are traditionally said to make the best leaf mold in my experience most leaves will do but do not get evergreen leaves don't mix it up with weeds don't mix it up with any sort of uh, green matter at all just leaves
1: and it's funny you say that because when i was an apprentice i worked at the embankment gardens mm, oh yes. and <laughs> down in london and uh, i never saw it come to fruition but we had bins but they used to make us turn it mm. which you're saying it's not the best thing to do we used to have the games just mm. what you're describing we used to put yeah. all our leaf off the trees mainly plane trees mm. through the park there and uh, we put it all in a pit i can remember in in these big areas and we used to turn it we were always told to turn it in the spring
2: I think it's one of these things really where we certainly never turned leaf mold mm. leaf mold is different to compost in the fact reacts that you, differently doesn't you it? really it's just the insects and the fungus etc breaking down the uh, the cellulose in the leaves over a long period so so this has to happen as it would on a forest floor so mm. to speak And if you start turning it, you tend to be uh, accelerating and it will break it down more quickly. But you won't really end up with the same product. You can you can add leaves to a compost heap because all sorts of ways. Yeah, but it's just a different product Mm. in the end.
1: I can only say that I never saw the finished product (laughs) because I was only there for one year. Then they move you to the next part to the next part. So I never stayed there. Talking of um, things that we ought to be doing this time of year. Bare root roses are around now. They've yes, been yeah. lifted. They mm-hmm. lift them at the beginning of November. It's a good time to plant roses. Now, if you've planted, if you're planting roses back into an area that you've already had roses, it's worth using these micro rhizome. Um, they're they're available. They're called yep. all sorts of things: root grow and all other different yes, ones. Yeah, yeah. But it's so important because generally. And I would say always, possibly, rather than generally. If you plant a rose where there's been a rose before, they just don't grow. And no, it's it's, it's replant. It's replant, isn't it? Yes, yeah. And it just doesn't work. So it's really important. It's worth also removing some of the soil and getting rid of it and putting some fresh soil back well, as I mean, well.
2: I, I mean, like, like yourself, I come from this sort of era of gardening where we're told we're to dig down six feet. That's it. And Take <laughs> it all away
1: um I can remember doing that on a rose bed for a customer indeed, once as well. Yeah.
2: Well I think the thing is as well that there's this sort of mystery about what it was. I mean even to this day there's no absolute certainty about what it is that it causes it. No. It's thought to be a build up of all sorts of things in there. Um it's not the only group of like, we've talked about um winter bedding before and of course um things like um uh, pansies of course you get pansy the, you get the pansy same. sickness which you, if you same plant them two principle or three years, isn't it yes absolutely and so you can do that quite quickly with the break whereas with roses there are ways around this you can get all these sorts of um, uh, dips and things but if you can it's always best to plant them where there's been no roses before um, this time of the year is um, the sort of t- uh, time when we start to put the garden to bed almost and we th- we've got our ideas what we might want to do for the next year if this summer you were sat in the garden thinking, oh, I wish I had a pond, or oh, I'd really like to get that patio sorted out, that path needs relaying. Often we start to think about this again in the spring. Now, Unless you're pretty good on your DIY and you're really fancy building your own pond or putting all these sort of uh, uh, installations, as I would call them, into a garden, you might be thinking, I'll enlist the help of a landscaper. I mean, uh, this might sound like I'm sort of self serving, but an ex landscaper myself talking to a landscaper. But we, landscape industries obviously have times of the year when they're looking for work.
1: And that, it is, there's, there's gaps at this time of year, there often, I mean, aren't there? The thing
2: is, it might not be, you might phone up a landscaper and you say, I want a pond button and he might say can't do anything until January but the fact of the matter is that you've booked that January slot and if and you
1: rang him in January he'd tell you it was the summer indeed
2: because all the jobs that if it starts to rain in uh, November December all those jobs pile up ahead so if you've got your name on the list you're on the list it'll get done so if you've got the idea of getting something done now its worthwhile talking to a landscaper or even um, a garden designer if you want a whole redesign on it. But this is the time of year to think about it, because those dark winter months are the times when your garden is really, truly transformed. So, And if, like I say, if you're really good on your DIY, you, know, you need to get out there and do it this winter, especially things like ponds. A perfect time to do them, plant them up in the spring, and you'll have your wish next summer.
0: The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Every Saturday from 11.
1: I'd like to just start off about orchids, Mick.
2: Yes, indeed.
1: orchids, as we used to call them. orchids. <laughs> now, we have a couple of... These have come through on a text, which, of course, you can get to us as well on 81333. Just put Essex on the front. That's 81333. And orchids. Firstly, we do Rob. Now, he says, my orchid has died right down, including leaves. Will it come back or not? Highly
2: unlikely, I think. Is He's the, had it for uh, 10 yeah.
1: months. Yeah. He expects good value for money. I wonder what he actually paid for it. Well, <laughs> this is... A, a, I'm I, not... It's, it's one of the... Isn't horticulture very undermined by how much things cost? Mm-hmm. When you think of the cost of most things that you see on the shelves of supermarkets, etc., I always think of a rose bush. Mm. A rose bush can last you fifty years, and at the moment, what are they? A tenner. Mm. And when I was used to go on about them, they were most likely three, four pounds. Mm-hmm. Value for money. Well, certainly um, is an orchid a... value for money? Well, I'm not knocking Rob because I he have, wants to, to know. I have sort of
2: put this into context in the sense that I remember <laughs> years ago, in yeah. the 1980s, when I was doing a city and guilds uh, up in Cumbria, and um, a friend of mine was keen on um, orchids. So off we duly went to Mansell and Hatcher orchids. And I bought an orchid, which I think cost me about eight or nine pounds, which the cheapest thing they had. And a lot of these phelanopsis and uh, yep. orchids and things that they sell now in the supermarkets were around about the sort of fifteen, 20 pound mark. The Dutch have just really got to grips with producing these on huge scale, very, very successfully, using micropropagation and things like that. So you've got a very uh, Santa scientific... Nobody touches those plants; they're all grown by robots, literally in the, the nursery. That's there. right. And they're knocking them out now, so you can you can buy them in a supermarket for between five and ten pounds. It's like a
1: bunch of flowers, isn't it?
2: And it really is cheap. It, it, I can't emphasise just how cheap they are now, relatively speaking. Uh, We we think we've got to keep them going, but my students always laugh when I'm trying to keep a rare plant going, but certainly a lot of plants, when they get past the best, I'm saying, chuck it on the trailer, we get rid of it, and the...
1: So Rob, <laughs> I'm afraid it has possibly gone. It is an ex It is an ex orchid. <laughs> now, don't forget you can give us a call just as Anne from West Clacton has and that is on 0300 200 4041. That's 0300 200 4041. It's as easy as that. Let's talk gardening because let's face it, it is autumn and it is autumn now. Anne from West Clacton, what have you got to talk about with us?
3: One, one, one thing about the orchid, I had one bought me 10 years ago, and it's absolutely smothered in bloom. Uh, somebody bought me it, and she's only just passed away, so it comes out every year. But no, what I really wanted to talk about... But actually,
1: that... no, get back to your orchid. Just let, let's stay on your orchid for a moment. Um, yep. Orchids are fantastic. If you can keep them going just as you have, but if in doubt, chuck it out is my yeah, is yeah. my is I my mean, motto. If what I would going. say is,
2: it's more by look than judgment we keep them going. I'm not t- taking any of your credentials away as a gardener. Now, come on, as skilled. You've obviously got the right place for it to grow because once the plant finds it's happy somewhere, it will grow. And some some houses don't suit them and they die off. Other houses or rooms in a house will. So well done you for keeping it going. And
1: like that's time. really nice, Anne. What colour one is it? It's white.
3: And it's yep. absolutely smothered. As I said, my cousin that bought it only died three weeks ago. And every time I see it, she bought it in B&Q. Yes,
4: That's it. Yeah. <laughs> do
1: you, Out of interest, do you feed it with uh, with orchid feed or anything? No, I don't,
3: actually. Yeah. All I do It's just put a drop of rainwater on it.
1: Good for you. There you go, you got the knack. Right, now what, what did you want to talk about? Right. Uh, I if you're mentioning a the
3: if, other week about the catwatch,
1: yes, try try not to emphasise the product name if you can. Yes, you've got. Uh, a, a, okay.
4: You've got well, an illet-
3: um, I've sent it back, and yes. you've got another one. And Good. Done nothing for us. I've been told that the garden is probably too big, so I don't fancy. No, out, right. Let me
1: right. Now. Let me explain. Let me explain what you do. And yeah. I think I tried to before because I have used these and they do actually work. But you have to persevere. Mm-hmm. If you've got, say, you've got a vegetable plot that is, I don't know, 60 foot long and 20 foot wide, you start with working it in one corner only, and you have to leave it there for quite a number of weeks. You can't yeah. move it away. Nope. So you leave it there and then you move it to another spot because in theory, I'm saying, did you notice, I did say in theory, the cats will have learned that that area that they've been walking into or trying to mess on, they're going to get this audible sound into their ears, not yours, that they don't like and they, they will stay away from that area for a number of weeks. They might return to it eventually, mm-hmm. and they might return in a couple of months or so. But generally, you can work round your garden, but you have to do a bit at a time.
3: Yeah, well, that's what we've done, Ken. We have. How long we've have you left that? it in
1: one place?
3: No, we've moved it two places, and they stroll past. We've even got a hanging bird thing, and when I looked, we are sitting in our sun lounge, and a blue cat jumped right up trying to get the bird... It's just the pain. I think the yeah. only thing that works for me at the moment is a present I bought for me, Best Buy, and uh, it squirts it with water. Yeah, water mm-hmm. one
1: is another good one. Water one yeah. is a very good one as well. Yeah. yeah.
3: OK, well, I well, um, thought I'd No, thank you very much.
1: Thanks for very very much for coming back, because, Anne, as other people have rung in and said that they're very good and they're reliable, so it's obviously just unfortunate that it's not working for you, isn't it, Anne? No, Thanks very much, and reminder that a water one is another good one to use. Tom in Vange. Hello, Tom.
5: Hello, uh, Ken. I wonder if you can help me. I, I have a, a nice yellow, yellow annual flower, and I wish to split it and replant it. Now, hang on. You, another... said,
1: you said it's an annual. Do you know what the annual flower is?
5: No, it's a, it's a small yellow flower but uh, it does come up every year.
1: Oh, so is any it, trouble. It's a perennial or does it self seed?
5: No, it doesn't self seed. No, it's a um, perennial.
1: And when what... you say
2: it's got a yellow flower, what's the shape yeah. of leaves? Uh
5: it, it's like
2: a daisy type of uh Is it slightly well, um slightly heart-shaped is it and sort of almost like a little slightly almost looks li- like a little leathery.
5: Uh, no, not particularly. No, it's just. Uh, I, th- I think I've done it before in another part of the garden, but I've, I don't know. <coughs> excuse me. I, is, I it, is, know it low, is it is to... it low? Is it low-growing? It's about a good three foot, a good three foot, three, three meters. Foot. No, three foot.
6: Yeah. Yellow.
1: Yellow. Lots. Right. Has it got lots of little flowers all the way up the stem? No, no,
5: but it's covered in flowers on the top.
1: Right, it must be, and it's got leaves at the bottom in clusters, yes? Yes. Right, it's a herbaceous clump, so we could divide it at this time of year, couldn't we?
2: Well, I think so, yeah. um, Not being absolutely sure what it is, I can only give the most general advice, but um, the the trick is, when you're dividing herbaceous plants this time of year, you lift the whole clump and shake some of the soil off from the roots, and then you'll be able to see when with what you've got. Some will tease apart, uh, which you can sort of or get your fingers in or a couple of forks in there and then tease them apart. Others you have to get an old um, bread knife or something like that to, to, to cut them apart. Oh, I you could. See. The main thing is that every clump has to have some bud at the top and some roots on the bottom. Yes. All right. Okay. So
5: I can do it at this time of the year. It's an
2: ideal time to do herbaceous a good time here. to do them. Now or in oh, the spring. Right. And, and if you're on a... If you're on a clay soil, you might want to wait till the spring because of a chance of rot yeah. with some things. But if you're on a, a sandy or a
1: loamy soil, do them now.
5: Oh no, I've got clay soil. I'll I mean, wait till just wait the till the spring. spring.
1: Early on in the spring. Early spring, and add a bit of good compost into the ground. Don't just dump them into compost, but mix the compost no. into the soil mm. as you replant.
0: The BBC Essex Gardening Hour every Saturday from eleven. BBC Essex.
1: Let's now go to Lawrence in team. Hello, Lawrence. Good morning. What Hi. would you like to know?
5: I would like to plant some daffodils.
1: Yeah.
5: On, in my um, lawn, how deep do I have to plant them?
2: Um, with most bulbs, it's it depends on the shape of the bulb, but normally I would, the, the rule of thumb is it's about three times the width or about twice the... Um, the height from the base plate up to the, uh, what we call the neck of the bulb, where the, where the leaves come out of. Uh, in the oh, case really? of daffodils, that's usually about, about the best measure because they're a slightly thinner, longer bulb. So I usually say about twice the height of the bulb um, in, in terms of the, the solid bit of the bulb, not any sort of feather. So you'll
1: end up possibly about six, eight inches something underground.
2: About, yeah, I, did, I mean, uh, some of these smaller daffodils will go a little bit less than that. Uh, and the, planting them into a lawn, the easiest way to do it is to actually cut a H-shape into the lawn and then yeah. sort of like a slice underneath that so you literally peel it back like two flaps if you can uh, envisage what i'm saying here and then yeah. you plant through into the soil there and then you just put the flaps back over them and they're planted
6: oh
2: and will they come up in the spring yeah, yeah. they will it's a little late to plant daffodils now but not too late i mean they, they, they sort of right themselves in terms of the season of the, the following year uh, but again like i said when you plant any daffodils the real trick is make sure that they're the right way up I know it sounds obvious, but people put them in all yep. willy-nilly. But you will be a line on the side. So the base plate in contact with the soil. And if your yep. soil is a little bit sort of clay or heavy or anything like that, or, or hard this time it is, it's likely to be down here, um, a little bit of sand in the bottom. Just Don't use builder's sand, but any sort of good gritty hurtful, Gritty just, sand yeah. is very
1: important. Right. Yeah, and that means right. that the
2: base plate's in contact with the soil and it will stimulate them into growth straight away
1: we've got another orchid question here uh, mick indeed <laughs> i have an orchid three years old it has three main stems on one it has seven small shoots one has four stems growing on it and the third has a new shoot about eight inches long should i leave them all or cut them off
2: no the, the trick with um, orchids is never to cut anything off unless it's actually you know genuinely dead and um You'll see if it's dead because it really visibly shrivels and becomes um, uh, brittle. Uh, and so don't take off any leaves until they're fully brown, you know, just because they're going a bit yellow. Leave them on there. Orchids. Um actually tend to thrive on neglect. And that sounds odd. And uh, for anyone who's, who's got an orchid successfully, they might be thinking, what, what's he saying? You know, is he yeah. suggesting that I don't know what I'm doing? But they, they don't want too much gardening around them. If you if you think about where most of these originate, the, the ancestors of some of these orchids, they grew on the sides of trees in a tropical rainforest, which meant that they got constantly washed with uh, rainwater. Uh, they're growing in slight shade, you know, with any sort of exposure. Moistish,
1: moistish. Yeah. But the
2: simple fact of the matter is they weren't getting a huge amount of nutrient. Nobody was looking after them, peeling off old leaves or anything like that. And um, they, they do quite well. So they, they will thrive on a bit of neglect. Often things we think of in terms of horticulture, which we think that's a good idea to do with a plant, don't apply to orchids. Oh, 0300,
1: 200 40, 41. I'm going to nip over to the uh, emails because... Um... Uh, Janet Ridgewell in Finchingville. she said, Jeff Hodge and myself were talking about an Eliagnes Grandiflora. Mm. She said she can't find a Grandiflora anywhere.
2: Um, it was Multiflora.
1: I wonder if it's Multiflora, do you? Yeah, we, were, it, we mentioned. Yeah. The trouble is I can never 100% remember yeah. <laughs> what I said I'm,
2: last I must admit, week. I, I, I would have to, I've never heard of um, well, Eliagnes Multiflora, uh, I, Grandiflora, but I, I have know, heard Multiflora. We
1: did talk about Eliagnes um Abingii, which mm-hmm. is the silver leaf with the lovely perfumed flower. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And in mm. fact, we talked a lot about that because I said they often plant it in um, near public toilets, don't mm. they? It's mm. a popular one for that. <laughs> um, but anyway, I, we, Multiflora, Eleagnis multiflora, yeah. or there is, um, what did I just say? A abingii. 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 Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah so the only one I can think of is flora in is multiflora, but, I mean, I stand to be correct, uh, corrected. And... and if Jeff
1: was right and I'm wrong, but if you can't find it, perhaps it doesn't exist. Let's go back to the phones on 0300 200 40 Harry in Coggleshaw, what do you got for us?
7: Oh, good morning. Hi, um, Harry. I'm digging the garden over and I've come across this large bulb and it looks like a great big garlic. And it's got segments all round it. I've got a suspicion it's a lily of some type.
2: Right, Uh, it's it's it's, um got uh, like a garlic. Are are they pointed? The uh, the sort of scales around the outside. Yes, yes. It's almost undoubtedly a lily. Lilies, can I, I
7: break a... it
2: up or do I put it back as a whole? No, put it back as a whole. If it's not something I'm going to be easy, easily be able to explain. You can twin scale uh, or scale lilies and uh, grow them on, but it's a bit of an involved process. So funny, oh, you know, no. just I think it. I just plant it back. <laughs> I've, I've been doing it with students this week with uh, twin scale and the bulbs and things like that, so I mean, it's on my mind. But um, it's not necessarily something which is straightforward. You don't just get the scales off and no. put them back into the ground. Oh, you have right. to sterilise okay. them and put them into... Uh, uh, a vermiculite mix and things like that so, so uh, the best uh, thing is put it back into the ground if you want to propagate from it when it comes up next year yeah. after it's finished flowering and you'll, to do this you'll have to, to get to flower successfully you have to kill all the lily beetles which are an inevitable consequence of growing lilies but once you uh-huh. get it up to, to the stage where it's flowering you can cut off the, the flower Head, unless you want to collect the seed. And then look in the axles of the leaves, and you see these um, little—they're usually dark, almost purplish. um, They look like buds, and they're called Uh, bulbils. Bulbils, yeah. And you can collect those. Just sow them across the surface of some um, uh, potting compost we'll do And leave them Let me just put a, a cover over them so they don't get uh, washed around by rain too much And leave them out in the uh, in the cold frame or a shelter bit of the garden They'll start to come up next year get A little grass-like leaf from them And over a period of about You pot them up once they've so got that leaf coming up And over a period of about three years You should get new bulbs from those
1: I can remember doing it as a student It's good. It's good <laughs> fun, Harry So it's worth okay. trying all right. Thank you very much. OK, that's Harry Thank in Coggleshaw problem. No problem. If in doubt, pop it back in the car. <laughs> yes. Is that right? <laughs> Sheila in Hatfield, Peveril. She's rung us on 0300 200 40 41. <laughs> uh, hello, Sheila.
3: Oh, hello. Um, just a quick question. I had some sunflowers, which I've only had a uh, It's only been in a year. Um, they ha- have died off in the leaves. And I've cut them down. Is it best to put them in, I'd like to move them, into a new place this autumn or in right. spring,
2: please? When you say sunflower, Is it definitely a sunflower? If you, yes. are you, are you talking about the one with the very big head on? No. There? The, the,
3: yeah. No, it's, they, but, but it's, they grow about four or five feet tall, three or four or five feet tall,
2: but they're um, just an ordinary yellow sunflower, the oh, ordinary ones. If it's, if it's the ordinary ones, yeah, helianthus. Yeah. or That's yep. it, the clues in the in the, uh, the species name, annuus they're annuals, so they die back oh. and they look <coughs> tremendous and woody and you think, how could this thing disappear off this planet? But that's it, it is about to expire from this mortal coil. Yeah. It per- perenniates itself via seeds, so it's, an, it's just an annual plant. The reason I was asking, there is a perennial sunflower, uh, the name of which escapes me is a helianthus but I can't think of a species name but that is very different and you can actually uh, lift. and actually the um, it's it's very much like uh, the Jerusalem artichoke in terms of its appearance which is also in that same group of plants yeah but if you've got an ordinary sunflower uh, that you, you're not going to get it you just got to yeah. say goodbye to it and, th- and um,
3: think fondly so, of it They, so I've got them I've had them my neighbour has had them for a long, long time. They grow year after that year. That
1: means they're the perennial. Yeah, there
2: is a perennial one. And That's they do the ha- one you've yeah, got. Yeah. I can't think of the species name of it, but you, you no. can lift it and divide it. I would be inclined to wait till the spring. All right. So you die down below ground levels. So mark where it is. Yeah. Uh, and, so, and then dig round it carefully with a fork in the spring and you'll find it's got roots which are a little bit like a Jerusalem artichoke and you can just divide those up and replant them where you want them.
1: We've got a line free at the moment on 0300 200 41 and we go straight to David from Hadley. Hello, David. Good morning, sir. How are you? We're fine. What would what can we do for you, sir? Uh,
6: with regard to Wisley, I was told over a week or two ago by my visit to Wisley and the autumn Flowering crocus. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, have a bed of doubles there. all the same as well. They're fantastic. Um, how do I buy them? Where do right. I buy okay. them? When we plant them?
1: Right. Okay, they're not autumn crocus as such. They're colchicum, mm. I think if you're you, looking if you've got at. Doubles, if they they're doubles. doubles, yeah,
2: and they're the multiple flowers at when one head are they so, so like yes. almost like a bunch of yeah. them. Yeah, It's yeah. culticum.
1: Naked so. ladies is their other name. Indeed,
2: yes. Yeah, so.
1: <laughs> Hey, let's explain. I'll explain why they're naked ladies. They're naked ladies because they flower now with no leaf. And that is purely why they're called naked ladies, mm. because they give a flower and then they will produce leaf in the spring. So when do we plant them then?
2: Right, culture comes planted around about July, August time, uh, almost immediately before flowering. One of the, the interesting things about them, if they are a bit expensive to buy, but they last a long time. But if you get yourself, uh, say, you know, half a dozen bulbs and you planted five out and put one on your windowsill, it will flower on your windowsill with no roots and no leaves. It just sends up the flower scape at that time. You can then plant that afterwards in your garden. And the next year you get this thing which looks rather like a great big tulip stem. So it's like a stem with several flower, but, but, with several leaves but no flower. And that will last through till around about, usually about May. So it comes up in the spring, so May, maybe into June, and then die down and you don't see anything of it, and then the flower comes up in the autumn. So you, so have you do to... need to mark them. <laughs> yes, indeed, yeah. Uh, and so you, you really want to be planting them around about, um, it's sort of like I say, August time. And you can order them, uh, you'll find the spring bull catalogs that come, they in include that. them, yes. And they're in with the summer selections, usually. He did say about autumn crocus, just to, in case anybody else is listening, think, I'm sure there is an autumn there crocus. There is an autumn There sativite, is a crocus uh, sativa, and also crocus autumnalia as yes, well. Yes, there's uh, two, and, aren't there? And that's because crocuses themselves come from winter flowering areas, so it's, it's, it's like they're the very, very earliest of the, the winter crocuses, if you like, they are similar but they are individual flowers and they look almost indistinguishable to the spring crocuses in terms of the, the shape and form and if
1: anybody's wondering why they're called the one that's called sativa is the one that has of course the herb yes. saffron, saffron.
2: <laughs> as it has saffron the sativa, waldum,
1: sativa mm. the crocus sativa is the saffron one mm. that has saffron on it
7: does that help no, you, David? Are you, speaking, yeah, so are you still speaking about colchicum, or have you changed? Orders? No,
1: no. we've just said there is an autumn crocus, and that single it's a single flower, two of which exist, yeah. and that's the autumn one yeah. and, and the sativa. But the ones you're talking about are colchicum, and they come generally in that purpley colour, mm. and, but there's also a white as well.
0: The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther, every Saturday from 11.
1: Let's now go to talk to Maureen in Brentwood. And you're talking about... Have you had a good crop on your plum tree, Maureen? Uh,
3: well, actually, it's my
1: daughter's. OK. Um,
3: she bought it as a miniature sort of plum tree and it's grown to a quite a large one and she wants to uh, make it, take it small again, make it small. Can she um, drastically prune it?
2: It's not the best idea and it's certainly not a good idea this time of the year. Um, you would normally do them in the, uh, the drier months. Which After we, fruiting really yeah, isn't it? Yeah, so we normally take that sort of like um, August, uh, early September as soon and as it starts to get wet there's a chance of um, transmitting um, I think it's styrium purpurium it's like a silver, the leaf, ba- it's it's
1: silver leaf and bacterial cankers isn't
2: yeah, it? Yeah, they are prone and that's all the, um, the stone fruits and um, soft fruit it's, it's the rosaceous soft fruit so it, it applies to things like peaches apricots etc as well Oh I
1: see, I said August And the other point that that Mick made there was that if you push them down too hard, in other words, if you say, "Oh, it's four foot high, and Mm. I want it only two foot high," if you cut it all off, all it does is produce lots and lots of very thin wispy Mm. uh, shoots, which won't produce you fruit. Okay, and and also
3: uh, the last caller about the. um, autumn, not the Autumn Crocus, the um,
4: Naked Lady. Yep.
3: Um, I went to Wisley a couple of weeks ago and they were selling them in their shop.
1: Right. Mm. Yeah, they are still around, I think.
3: Yeah,
2: if you can afford two... RHS prices. <laughs> yeah, they're very
3: expensive. I wouldn't buy them, and I didn't because it was
2: so expensive. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, in fairness to the, to the RHS, it is a charity. Surprise, it, it, they are an expensive bulb. The, the, yeah. you, even when you buy them from the sort of the, the, low, the lowest sort of uh, knockdown price end of the market, you're still looking at quite an eye-watering price per bulb. So. Okay.
1: Oh. All okay, right. And tell your daughter to come back to us in summer... Yes. If not before, and ask us that same question, and we'll help her through on the plum tree. Okay? Lovely. Yeah, thank you very
3: much. Thanks
1: thank very you. much indeed. And we now go to Lee in Benfleet. Hello, Lee. You've got something. Hello, I, ta- you. I know oh, good what you're going to talk about. Good morning. I know what all you're right? going to talk about. And in fact, mix the man. Tell us more. Oh, right, Come I'm on. Okay, then. Um, I've,
7: got, I've got a banana palm. All right. <laughs> yeah, that's in a curveball, isn't it? I, no, 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 I, no. not I, at all. No, go Australian go on. <laughs> tree burn first. Right, so both a, of which... I've got both... a banana palm, and it, yep. it looks like it's thrown up a leaf at the middle. Mm-hmm. And
4: then
7: because the weather's changed, it's the stopped. leaf has stopped growing up, and it started growing out. It's a great big fat ball now at the top. Ah, no,
2: that's oh, not. No, that's, a, not. That's, a, that's a flower. That's, oh, it a, flower. Yes,
7: that's
2: yeah. be now, a banana, isn't yeah, it? yeah, so um, now, do you know which one you've got? Is it a Japanese banana? I mean, a Bazju, actually. The commonest one. Uh,
4: it, it's full hardy, it's out all year round. Yeah, so yeah. It, there's, uh, there's, there's
2: two which are really generally known about to be hardy. There's Musa Bazdu and there's Musa Sicumensis. Uh, Musa Bazdu is right. still commoner, it's the one which has just, just got pure green leaves. Now you say it's fully yeah, hardy. Yeah. It's it's hardy down to the uh, down to the root level. If you get a really hard winter, it'll be cut right down to the ground and grow back up again. And if you yeah, protect that, the yeah. stems, or if, if like last winter they just came through anyway, but um, if you protect them, it will take about up to about three years before it will send up a flower shoot. Now they once they flower, that stem is history. It, it won't grow. The whole more. stem yeah. will die. So you cut that right out down ah. to the ground. Just for anybody else listening, um, if you. Um, want to protect the pseudostems? What you generally do is you can just below the um, uh, the, the top of the plant, you, you cut right the way through the stem. Don't worry about you know you might be damaging a few leaves, you, just, you cut right the way through the stem, invert it almost like a sort of um, a, a kind of a, a bonnet or a hat, and tie those um, leaves round the stem and then wrap the rest of the stem. There's all sorts of ways you can do it. We put cages on at the college and things like that, but uh, in my own garden at home, I use um, tree shelter tubes and put them on there. And um, you protect the stem through the winter, and that's when you'll get the flowers. But what I have to disappoint you about, I'm afraid, is that the the, the fruit on Musabazdu is inedible. Mm. So it's it's oh, interesting. Okay. The flower is phenomenal, so it's, it's a really interesting thing to look at. But it's it's an inedible fruit, unfortunately.
7: Now, what about the tree fern? Yeah, there's, there's a palm. Oh, the tree fern. We bought the tree fern in the summer. Yep. Um, with no with no throngs and it and um, you could almost watch them grow. They were growing so quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the tips went black and, and crispy and, and just died.
2: Uh, it sounds like it could, be, could be... the
7: fronds are still quite big.
2: Yeah. Um, have all the fronds died, or...?
7: No, just the tips.
2: Just the tips, so right. That sounds More like it's... Uh, it looks
4: a... like there's some fresh ones coming up the inside.
2: Yeah. That sounds like it's a combination of um, dry weather and wind, which is not, not, uh, not at all unusual. Three tree right. fern... You do a similar sort of thing as you do for the banana essence. You don't chop through it at all. You just The, the fronds are on there now.
1: Fold them in, Fold really. them
2: in around the stem, just tie them loosely, and you get some hessian or something like that, maybe a bit of straw, just pack the straw very, very loosely around the, 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 the bud at the top, the, where the croziers come, the, the crown, and then just put the oh. hessian around and tie it around because that will protect that through the winter.
1: That sorted that out. Yes, those protected plants. Let's talk to John in Brentwood. You're talking potatoes. Is that right, John? Good morning, Kenny. Yeah.
6: It's a rather why, not rather than a, a how. Um, in 2016, I put down about 20, I can't remember the variety, but I put about 20 plants in and got very little back. Uh, mm-hmm. Very tiny, nothing there hardly. This year, I know, the beginning of the year when it started, um, I noticed there was a load of potato plants sticking their heads through the soil. So I left them, and I've ended up with potatoes. um, Well, they're they're almost 30 centimetres in diameter and 20 centimetres long, Mm -hmm. quite a lot of them. Why would you do so much better the second year than the first year? (laughs)
2: Um, it, but,
6: <laughs> there's no uh, real until, until reason we is
2: really, it? No, until we really know what <clears throat> happened I mean sometimes the thing that you think went wrong when you planted something isn't something which occurs to you so you can run through exactly what you did And for us in the studio we miss what it is that maybe you did which might have held them back what it sounds like you've left some small potatoes in the ground yeah. which is really common but nobody lifts all the potatoes I defy anyone to tell me they do there's always a few left in the ground and um so you've and you said you had small ones and, and sometimes sort of marble shaped potatoes sized potatoes are often a case of where the plant hasn't really got away properly hasn't had enough water whatever else it may be so they but they, they're perfectly capable of growing to a great big potato plant And so, of course, they then the next year grow, and because they're already in the ground at the right time of the year, at the right depth in the soil, they just tend to do a little bit better.
6: Right, okay. Could I ask another question? Yep. Is it okay to start sort of taking the uh, roses down? so the wind isn't going to tear Yes, yes that, definitely. Th- th-
2: this time of the year is the time to take them down. Take them back by around about third? a third, maybe mm. a half, depends on the, the, the sort of height of the rose generally it's made this year. Because, yeah, this problem with wind rock is a real problem. And also, even if you've cut them back, go out there and get the heel onto them from time to time to make sure they don't get that um, kind of hollow um, hole around the, the stem, because that's where the water gets in, you get frost, and it can damage
1: the union. Let's go to Daphne from Thundersley.
3: Hello, Daphne. Hello, Ken. Uh, just a quick question. I've got a um, hydrangea which is only about two foot high. It was a cutting that I brought from other garden, and I just—it's got about five heads on it. But I just wanted to move it. Is it possible to move it now, or should I
2: wait till the spring?
1: Um, you can move it now, couldn't
2: you? Really? Right. Hydrangea. Obviously. Yeah, hydrangea. hydrangea. Yeah, we've moved, moved some um, just recently. At the college do, moved you? about three of them. Yeah, and they—they they, it's fine. There's, the, you'll find you've still got a bit of leaf left on Hydrangeas are peculiar that they, they're they very late to go to sleep mm. almost. But yes. they're, they're not doing an awful lot now. So you can, the, the main thing is when you lift them, try and make sure that you get as much root um, with them as you can, you know, so to right. lift them. And then just dig a deep enough planting hole, break the soil up nicely, put it in, put the soil in, and then mulch over the top. Don't put um, uh, compost into the planting hole itself. Put
1: it on the top. Mm.
2: Okay. Oh, I see.
3: Yes, okay. And also, what about a salvia? Can I move that at the moment?
1: Um, Is that the like hot lips and one of those?
5: Hot lips. I I'd wait till spring spring for that.
1: Oh, okay. They're They're, even later to go to sleep. (laughs) Yes, yeah. They they might even keep leaf right into the winter. Mm. Yeah,
3: right. OK, so and also when I move the hydrangea, I know you don't cut them down till, till the spring, so should I just leave the heads on that are no, on
2: it? Uh, no, I would reduce the, uh, the growth yeah. on I'd thin them out by around about a third and uh, cut the growth back. When you move it, you're going to have to expect it's not going to perform as well next year as it will the following year.
0: The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther, every Saturday from 11.
1: Now we're going to go back to... Uh, Midge, was it Midge? Midge I promised to talk to. Funny enough, we were talking about Salvia Hot Lips, weren't we? Is
3: that what it is? Salvia. I didn't know. It's realize a sal- hot that. lips
1: is a salvia, yeah there's there's the red one that you you've got, the redy yes. with the white, red and white, and then there's now a multitude of colours, aren't there? Yes, they've become very popular
2: over the last few yeah. years, yeah.
1: So yeah, what, would like, what would you like what would you like to know?
3: Well what my question was, it's it's getting quite big and but it's still in full bloom mm.
6: and yeah.
3: I wanted to know wh- when perhaps it dies down is it possible to have it split? Because I'd like a bit out at the back garden because it makes it's filled with space and it, it's such a pretty thing. Everyone stops and says, "What yeah. is it?" And um, I say, "Hot Lips," because I didn't realise it was a salvia.
2: Yeah, the, the thing is, it's um, it's not something you can divide. No. It's a shrub. Now, what you oh, might it's always worth trying once the um, it goes yeah. dormant, which won't be till around about um, December usually. Cause it's very late to lose its leaves and start flowering you can get some small branches and just try taking some hardwood cuttings off them. So they only need to be about sort of 15 centimetres, 6 inches long and put them in two thirds of the depth into some nice gritty compost into a tall pot, like a long tom type pot and then um, just put those into a corner of the garden. Make sure it stays moist, keep it out of yeah. direct sunlight and they may grow. I, I, I've yeah. never really tried it on that particular salvia, but no. I might do. Uh, if you want to uh, take cuttings from it or to get more of them, the, the best way is to wait till around about... Um, uh, probably around about April uh, next year once it starts to get into full growth and it'll suddenly start to put on a lot of um, really sort of vigorous um, green shoots. And They're yeah. the ones you take uh, for oh, uh, right. an, about two to three um, leaves uh, long, strip below the lower leaves, cut it just below where the leaves join the um, the stem, a little bit of um, hormone rooting powder and into some um, uh, seed cutting compost and then either a propagator or maybe um, a windowsill with a, um, a,
1: a some plastic over it, just loosely, and you yeah. should be able to root those. Okay, Hold. Thank you okay. very much. No problem. Okay, Thank Mitch. You. Bye. Uh, bye-bye then. Don't forget that Hot Lips best cut in the spring. We mm. didn't... Did we say that? No, we didn't. But that, I think we did earlier on. So we did earlier on, didn't we? Spring, anyway. uh, Graham from Braintree, you're asking about an Acer Drummondii, Is that right?
4: Well, yeah, I think that's the name of it. It's, um, it's a long time since we uh, had it given to us as a present. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the Crimson Acer. Mm-hmm. Bit like a sycamore. Yeah, but, right. Um, yeah. Um, it up until the last couple of years, it's been a brilliant, bright crimson colour. looked really attractive. And last two years, it gets a few red leaves on it. Then the others, then they all turn a drab green.
1: Right. And these are the same branches that used to be red.
4: Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. I've, I've cut a few bits off around the bottom, but um, yeah. Has it got? Uh, um,
2: is there anything else growing around it which is shading it at all? No. No? No. Because so that's what normally happens taller. It's yeah.
4: actually taller than anything. It's um it's yeah, it's got full sun most of the time.
1: Yeah. It it's just a bad species. You get mm. rum rum plants sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like because remember star. they're all they're all grown well, I don't know Aesodromondii, would that be is that grafted or? I don't see, know, but
4: if it's, the same, if it's the same branches that were same, formerly um, yeah, red-leaved. Yeah. Yeah. It, I don't it could, think it was a grafted one. It didn't show that anything no. like a graft on the bottom. So it, I, could be
1: just, it. it could be just a rum one. Is it... Um, see, the red ones that I know, this is a tree, isn't it, with a stem? Is it a tree? a tree? Has it got a stem on it and a head?
6: Uh, yes.
1: So it's not a shrub. We're not talking about the shrub, are no, we? Oh, it's not we,
4: a shrub. It's a tree. It's... Um,
1: because Acer Dramondie is no Acer is a variegated one. It, you must have Crimson King mm. or what's the other one? There's a blacky one as well. Acer Crimson King and Acer um, red something, red majestic or I one can't, of those. I,
4: I, In it fairness crimson, I can't remember sorry, it. It was crimson something or other.
1: Crimson King crimson it Kings will be. be yes. Now there is, I always remember this some time ago on the programme, and it might have even been Mick who says that, uh, it could have been Mick I was with, but said that sometimes a plant just doesn't produce what it was supposed to be produced. It's just you get a rum, spe- rum batch sometimes, can't you? Yeah. And I, I think you've just got one that is not as true as perhaps it should be. Would you think so, uh, Mick? Really? So, yeah, plants can revert. This is one of the things
2: where... Um, that's it, what it sounds like, doesn't yeah. it? We get this often on variegated plants where suddenly they start to produce green uh, leaves. It can be a, a, a stress sort of thing through the year. And um, they, that gets the presence because, of course, that's the healthier growth as far as the, the plant itself. So you,
1: you could try feeding it to try and give it a bit of a boost in the spring?
4: Yeah, um, that, I think it's so. Quite it's quite well, yeah. now. It's like 15 foot tall and about... Um... Well, at least 10 foot across at the top.
1: I think you might have to just enjoy it as a greeny red tree. Do you, uh, Graham?
4: Yeah, OK. <laughs> <laughs> I we can't think of anything is, else that will help it. We've had it a few years now. That, yeah. It must be at least 20 years old now. Mm. So.
1: Nothing else you actually
4: can yeah, do for
2: there's, that. there's nothing
1: which you've actually said which suggests to me that you've done anything wrong. Another orchid question quickly to pop in from Anne from Holden-on-the-Hill. She says she repots her orchid. It seems root-bound. The roots are climbing out of the pot. It's just started producing another stalk. Does she have to repot it? No, you don't. No, <clears throat> the, the roots are aerial. Are,
2: they, they are aerial roots. They will tend to creep out around the uh, the sides of the pot. Um it, as long as it's not unstable, there's no real need to um, to repot an orchid. Sometimes we do creep over towards the side of the pot and so the pot tends to start falling over. And you can sometimes write that by putting it in a pot holder, but um, generally speaking, leave them where they are, because they don't need a lot of compost.
1: There you are. That's good advice. From here, 0300 200 40 41. That's 0300 200 And if you wanted to Drop us a message. It's eight one triple three pop Essex on the front. Let's talk to Mark over the water in Dulwich. Hello, Mark.
7: Oh, hello. Um, excuse my ignorance. Um, what's the best time to cut a, a grapevine back, and how, how near to the, the actual main branch do I cut it?
1: When would you do it?
2: Actually, well, I mean, I'm it, a November it's, man. I say say it was winter time. Really, once mm. certainly not before the um, the leaves uh, come off it. But I mean, we used to grow them when I was an apprentice. Used to grow them up in. Um, a, what's called a vinery and a vine Inside, house. that was always a winter
1: job and is any this time outside if, or inside Mark it's outside yeah. yeah so so I mean now
2: onward would be the thing uh, but the, the, the trick with the grape vine is to try and keep a few good strong stems which we, we, we always refer, refer to as wands if you're grown inside um, if you're not growing it on wires as a griot which is the way to do doing commercially for grapes you just really need to try and keep it into a, a, a basic framework of the shape you want but you cook them back quite hard almost right down to the, uh, the stem you want to keep. Oh, like the side wonderful. That's, yeah. that's what okay, but I mean, <laughs> Yeah, but not, not so that your secretaries are sort of uh, cutting tight against the, uh, this, 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 the ranchy leaves. You want to just...
1: keep a little uh, little um,
2: stub. Yeah, it's almost like a little knobbly bit yeah. to leave on there, yeah. Cool. And at the same time, oh, you, oh, can, pe- you can peel you off in, in the spring any the, of the sort
7: of loose... This it's just gone absolutely crazy and virtually about poor powdered grapes.
2: Yeah, oh, well, right. well done, yeah. So, I mean, if you want to maintain that, you, you make, your best thing is to try and make sure
1: you, you control the growth a little bit. Here you go to Fred in Whittam. Hello, Fred.
4: Hello, good morning.
1: morning. What can we do for you?
4: Um, my Golden Delicious apples, they've all got black spots on them, on the skin.
1: Oh, but so, so there are
2: there little slightly depressed spots all over there? Um, so, so, a black spot with just almost like a little dimple?
4: Slightly depressed.
2: Yeah, so I think you've got only, some.
4: It's only on, on the skin. When yeah, you yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. I think oh, you've got right. something
2: called bitter pit. Is
4: there anything I can do about
2: it? Yeah, lime trees. Yeah, it's a calcium deficiency. Oh. Mm. Bitter pit. Yeah.
4: Right. And also, actually, this year, um, wood lice have been nesting in the apples.
2: Ah, now what's happened there? Something <laughs> else has actually uh, eaten into the apple. Right? Yeah. And then the woodlice go in because woodlice only eat decaying material. They haven't got the jaws to bite in through an apple skin. I mean, th- you think about it. Let's face it. I mean, it takes a fair pair of gnashes uh, and a human to yeah, get through yeah, the apple I skin. <laughs> so, so the woodlice. When you find that they get the blame because they're there. It's like yeah. it's, it's like being blamed for a murder because you stumbled across the body, sort of thing. Oh, so, right. so we blame them for it. But actually, it's more likely to have been a wasp or something else which has chewed into the the apple, or, or possibly uh-huh. like a slug or a codling moth. And then they just find their way in, yeah. Uh-huh. So, I mean, they, they might well be sort of hiding out in there, but they're not... They're, they're if you like, a symptom rather than the cause. I OK.
4: And um, what do I put in the soil
2: that you say? Sorry. Uh, just, lime, just lime. Just garden lime. lime. So some, some dolomite limestone or something like that, or some chalk dust. But just, just go to a garden centre and just see if you want some lime for, for the uh-huh. soil. And OK. That should, should solve it.
0: The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther, every Saturday from 11.
1: And let's go now to Ken from West Mersey. Hello, Ken.
7: Hello, Ken. Um, <laughs> burnums, yes? That's right. I've got two fiburnums. I planted them earlier this year. And um, they just haven't grown. They haven't died and they haven't grown. Mm-hmm. i also planted lots of clematis, and they've all shot up really very well in the same sort of area. Mm-hmm. They're going up a fence. And uh, I can't make it out. They, all the leaves are very healthy, shiny, dark green, but it isn't growing. So I don't know. On what, the I on
2: thought. the viburnums, yeah. Sorry, I missed, did you get it in the soil or are you in a pot?
7: In the soil. In the uh, soil up against yeah. the fence. Yeah, I mean, the progress, progress.
2: Yeah, um, the, I think the the you hit the nail on the head in a sense. And you said they haven't grown, but they, they, they haven't died and the, the nice green leaves. I mean sometimes when you plant a plant the viburnums, it's a shock, they're, isn't it? They're, they're often a bit slow to get going uh, particularly the sort of the larger leaf leathery leaf types you know so that they, they sometimes will take a, a couple of years before they really get away so sometimes then the results can be quite startling other times we just carry on growing slowly almost forever so
6: i see
7: yeah. they're, they're um the leaves are about three inches long by about half inch wide
2: yeah it's, it's one of the larger leaf types and yeah. they're, they're, they're evergreen as well aren't they Yes. Yeah. So, so they do sometimes take a little while. Yes. Give
1: Give it a good basic feed in Mm. the spring. You're wasting your time putting anything on it now. Nice mulch of leaf mould or or compost. Yeah. Yeah. Bark. Mm. Composted bark would help at this time Mm. of year around them, and then give them a good feed in the spring. What sort of feed? Any general feed? Grow more. Anything. Absolutely. General purpose
2: one. Yeah. All right.
1: Thanks very much.
2: Thank you. And let us
1: know, Ken, how they get on, because we'd like to hear, well, possibly a success story. You never know. Derek (laughs) over in Ongo. Hello, Derek.
7: Hello there, Ken. Right, yes. um, As the autumn weather so far has been very mild, um, obviously the grass is still slightly growing, and as a consequence, so are some of the lawn weeds.
1: They're doing Um, well this year, mm -hmm. weed lawns, aren't (laughs) they? Lawn weeds.
7: Unfortunately, due to the very dry spell... And actually, even today, the so-called heavy rain has not materialized very much in Onger, It's not been practical to put down uh, the usual granule autumn feed and weed mm-hmm. to treat the lawn. Now, looking at selective lawn weed killers in so uh, spray fashion, yep. uh, I note that, well, the ones I've seen, Uh, well, they don't say they don't recommend, but they reckon their their practicability for use is limited to the end of September. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know...
1: Hang on, hang on. You know the trouble? Um, The instructions on most of the things are looking at seasons as possibly they used to be even five years ago. Mm. Um, I would honestly ignore that. Yeah, yeah. you will have a success rate by using it today.
2: I think what you need to do, just maybe take a, get your weather eye out and to the Met office and see if you can get like a 7 or 14 day yeah. forecast. Because It's if, cold if, tonight, isn't yeah, it? If you know it's going to be cold or we're not going to get any rain, sometimes it's not worth doing it. You have to sort of think about the, the advice that's given is because it needs to be on when the plants are still actually Growing. in a phase of active growth in the autumn
7: yeah i mean which i say up to, to well tonight possibly uh, at the frost or so yep. apart from that it has been mild mm, but yep. also more important as i said uh, it's been very dry and mm. it's yeah. not been practical I mean, Derek. to Derek, down granule look. Fo- uh, no, weed and feed. no, you're no. better off.
1: No, use a use a liquid, Derek, and yeah. if it's anything to go by, as a we we run a maintenance company and in fact we cut grass all through the winter in these in these mm. days. Yeah. So, yeah, so I quite we, believe that. We yeah. don't stop. So liquid. I, if you do it, watch the weather next week. If it's mild and warm as Mick said, mm. that's the yeah. time to do it. And I think you'll find that you'll get a reasonable success rate. You'll get rid of some anyway, won't yes, you? Yes,
2: indeed, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Uh,
1: Pauline in Brightlingsea. Hello, Pauline.
5: Hello there. What um, you got for it's us? It's a clematis. It's a small purple uh, one. Um, it's new this year and it's in a pot and it's got, um, it's going up the trellis work. Uh, mm. Part of it has gone uh, brown and dry uh, looking, and the other piece is green and still got two buds on it. But I just wanted to know what I've got to do before the frost comes. Do I cover it with bubble wrap or trim it down? No,
2: or? no. Um, if depended on the, if, if, I don't know what variety you've got, you know, but clematis. clematiscus, two um, sorts of clematis. There's the very large flowered ones, which you cut down hard in February. Or there's the uh, the smaller ones, at least with the Montana types, which you only prune them lightly in around about um, March time. Uh Uh, But in in either case, um, I wouldn't um, do too much to it now. He said one bit of it's gone brown. The only thing to watch out for is if the rest of the plant starts to go brown in the spring, there is a possibility of something called clematis wilt. Um, But I mean, that usually is when they're growing Mm. actively. You'd have noticed it before now, I think. All right. Oh,
5: it's a medium-sized one, I think, that I've got, you yeah. know. I mean, yeah, I, I would
2: do it on the sides, side of caution and just do a tidy up prune, uh, and not cut it back hard in uh, around about March next year. Oh,
5: so I don't have to cover it with the frost or anything? No, just no. leave
2: it be, let it get on uh, with it.
1: And yeah. a reminder of actually people covering things, don't use bubble wrapper directly against a plant because it actually does more harm than good, yeah, does it. it? Talking yeah. of which, Dawn in Edney Common has uh, got through to us and she says, when should I cover my tree fern? Uh, Well, I mean, really, I wait till as late as possible in the
2: season because you're cutting out light from it. So I would say around about uh, the end of November, as long as there's no really heavy frost uh, predicted, have all your stuff ready to wrap it. And then if it's going to be very cold, wrap it then.
1: And uh, last on the text, Linda in South Woodham in Chelmsford says, when do I feed tulips and hyacinths, bulbs and primroses? And, of course, you don't now, yeah, do you?
2: Yeah, you don't need to, really. Yeah, they'll, they'll be fine. Uh, would you feed them in the spring? Uh, the primroses will, will benefit from a sort of a general-purpose fertiliser, but, I mean, um, it, it's not really necessary. we have usually got what we need in the plants. <laughs> the BBC Essex Gardening Hour.
0: This is BBC Essex.
1: Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. You can download this programme and take it with you wherever you go via our website, bbc.co.uk slash bbc Essex.
0: The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther every Saturday from 11.